Hello and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast, the fastest growing conservative, evangelical, charismatic Anglican podcast in the universe. And uh, I'm joined today as ever by the Reverend Ben Wolpe. Hello. And also by the Reverend Ben Hughes. Hey, everybody. And if only we'd pressed record a few moments ago, you'd have heard the vicious, the savage banter between the Bens, uh, the, the bloodletting. Yes. We loving, are, loving and savage. Uh, I would say more savage than loving, but yeah. Yeah, that's good. We, were, we, are, we are up in uh, the uh, swag room, my office, and I said, here we are where it all began. Uh, and Mr. Reverend Wolfie, commenting on that we're in Genesis 3, said... It's a couple chapters before that. Yeah. Actually, it's where the beginning... It says in the beginning... Yeah. The beginning of Genesis. So. so that you've been schooled. I've been schooled. Yeah, you have. Not for the first time. So here we are. It is. It was loving. We are in Genesis chapter 3. We're beginning a new sermon series. Uh, and in fact, if you're listening to this podcast, because there's no point in talking to people who aren't, then, then we've already begun it because you're listening to this after the sermon. Um, such is the world that we live in. We're recording this a few days before the sermon. Here we are, Genesis chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Who will read for us? I guess I will. Um, Verses 13 through 15. Genesis 3. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat. All the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. I'm reminded of a song by the band Mumford and Sons. Interestingly, (laughs) usually are. (laughs) Crawl on your belly till the sun goes down. It's, uh, this is a really interesting. We, we've obviously preached this passage many times, but this in this series we're zooming in on the promises of God. The series is called I Will. We're looking at the promises of God as uh, Ben Wolpe has observed. They, they will find their yes in Jesus Christ. These promises are going somewhere. Mm. And we're going to be walking in these first five sermons through some of the major promises of the Old Testament and uh, the promises to Abraham to bless and and to give nations, the promise to Moses to deliver, the promise to David to enthrone him forever and uh, uh, his descendants, and uh, the promise to the people in exile to restore them. Big old covenant promises. I'm fascinated by this because this may be a promise or, or something like one, and it's given to Satan. Yeah. So here we are. The first thing that could be a promise in Scripture is given to Satan. There's some unique right. aspects of this um, that we'll dig into. And um, it's been described as the, the proto-euangelion, uh, a sort of pre-echo of the good news. We don't need to describe what that is. You all, I'm sure everyone knows. Yeah. It's a word that seminarians use to make themselves sound smart, hmm. in my experience. Yes. I didn't actually know that word until I read it in a book yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, I could work it out, but I did not know that word. So the proto-Evangelion, okay. a, a sort of pre-echo of the good news. Pre-gospel. 
Yeah, first prototype of the gospel. Prototype, yeah. Um, it's a curse, so that doesn't sound like good news. So we've got a lot to dig into here. Mm. A promise that's given to Satan of all things, and a, a, a curse that's described as good news. So we've got some really intriguing things to dig into. So here we go. Verse 13. Curse be good news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And then the Lord turns and starts talking to the serpent. Yeah. It's, it strikes me that his first response to hearing this news is to turn on the serpent. Mm. Not to cast all the blame immediately on Eve, but to hear what she did and then to turn towards the one who deceived her. Mm. Like, I think it's showing us what's the real direction and recipient of God's wrath and his his response to evil is yeah. to turn to the evil one, the deceiver. And, and in that is almost an act of mercy towards us. I mean, we still receive justice. We still receive uh, the wrath of God that is reserved for sin because we are full of sin. But uh, he turns first to the devil in his wrath. I never thought about that about it that way um you know i'll put enmity between you and the woman god says to the serpent like that's actually a blessing to the woman because otherwise like what if he didn't do that what if he didn't put enmity between her and the woman then her best friend is a snake we don't want that that's right we say this don't we when people end up isolated they still have company and and it's just that the company is now satan when you pull yourself away from the Lord and away from the body of Christ, away from believers, you've still got company. Yeah. Like Christ had in the wilderness. Mm. Um, it is good that there's enmity between you and the woman. Um, and then it starts to go through the generations between your offspring and her offspring. Offspring is going to be an important word, I think, in this series, particularly when we get yeah. to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Galatians, Paul points out in Galatians that, I think chapter 4, offspring is that the Hebrew word is seed, mm. uh, and it's singular. Mm. This is the point that Paul makes in, in Galatians, that this is a singular word, and so it's pointing to Christ. It's actually not talking about the generations of thousands upon thousands of people who will come from Adam and Eve, but the offspring that comes here from Adam and Eve and then from Abraham to receive the blessing uh, is Christ. He is the seed and the offspring that fulfills these prophecies and promises. Yeah, you, and it's interesting. Like you, This is like this division point, isn't it? It's a fork mm-hmm. in the road because you have these two different kind of seeds coming out of here. Uh, you have the seed of the woman and then the seed of the serpent and that's tracing all throughout the book of Genesis Um, I was reading a book by Bruce Waltke he's an old guy Um, and uh, he's an Old Testament scholar and he he was saying essentially that um, you know how there's all those like uh, genealogies in Genesis and they're like you know you're on your Bible plan and like get to that 
you know, uh, so-and-so mm-hmm. was the son of so-and-so, mm. and it's the boring part you skip over. Turns out uh, Genesis is actually primarily one big genealogy with a few stories kept in <laughs> yeah. to, in order yeah. to keep us entertained. But it's all it's all a genealogy. Like, the whole point mm. is this: these two offspring that are going uh, in completely opposite trajectories. Um, the one is heading toward death and hell. Um, you see that in Cain. And then the other one is, is as you were saying, headed toward... Uh, a greater kind of hope. So we see all of this at, at the beginning, um, though obviously there's debate about the real beginning because that's chapter one. Don't want to wade back into that argument again. But uh, here we are. The first thing she's been found out. There's this crisis. You've done this thing. There's this shame and all the guilt and everything that's come from the fall. And and God actually is speaking in speaking this curse to the serpent is actually speaking hope to Eve. Yeah. Because I'm going to defeat this. I'm going to turn this around. You're going to have kids. Yeah. You know, there's, there's still, there's a there's myriad things going on here. And, and he begins, verse, this is God, you know, with this word in, in verse 15, I will. And I will is really significant because this is promissory language. Yeah. When, when we say I will, we, there's an implied qualification to that, hmm. if I can. I will if I can. And we don't say I will if I can, but we mean it. I mean, even a cast iron promise, like the one that you can get from the original Mattress Factory, who is sponsoring this podcast, not really. Um, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful mattresses at an affordable price, mm-hmm. made right here in Pittsburgh. If you. Um, Are they? It, really? Yeah, they're great. Scott Markell will sort you out with a new mattress if you go and see him. If, um, and they're flippable, which is so wonderful. You get twice the life. If you're running, if you work for the original mattress factory and you're listening to this, which is unlikely, um, please consider us for uh, promotional. We could use some sponsorship. We could name lots of things that we need. I'm yeah. running low on deodorant. <laughs> I really could use a new mattress, actually, personally. There you go. Let's start naming stuff. See what happens. Shamelessly profiting from the gospel. Nonetheless, back to the point. Um, they make this great promise at the original mattress factory, but they can't see the future. So, for example, if gravity stopped working, they would not be able to fulfill their promise, no matter how strong it is. Um, and so it's conditional. Their cast-iron promise is conditional by implication. Yeah. Now, that's on a good day. But when people make a promise, they're often saying it with their fingers crossed. It's not even a cast-iron promise. It's just an aspiration, or it's just something to shut people up or make a quick sale. So, you know, I, I will means I will unless something better comes along. I will if I can be bothered. And then when we do do the thing that we promise to do, we're not necessarily going to execute it perfectly either. So I can have the best intentions in the world and even start to fulfill my promise and still botch it up because I'm a sinful human who can't do anything perfectly. Human promises are, are frail. Or you could be like a, um, you know, perfectly true to your word, but get hit by a bus tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um, not that I, I, don't, I don't want that to happen. But well, uh, we don't have buses in Posh Chapel, it's too posh. Ah, oh, this is true. They stop in O'Hara. Yeah, it's true. Uh, or, or hit by a, a mattress truck. Um, <laughs> Mysteriously <laughs> delivering a new mattress. <laughs> From the original mattress Squadron Road East. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. That could happen. Um, so, um, although it would be a miracle if anyone delivered anything to, to this address. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, that's for another podcast. So, God, when he says, I will is saying this as the sovereign of the universe who can do all things and knows all things. He even knows the future, so he knows that he will. 
and and there's no contingency that's going to surprise him, and uh, he's sovereign over all the contingencies anyway. So so it is he that makes gravity continue to exist. So when he says I will do this thing, it's gonna happen. This is materially different from any promise that you can ever make as a person. Mm. And he, the sovereign of the universe, is committing himself to this. Like mm. the one who, whose word shapes reality, who spoke everything into being, is now saying, I will do this. I'm committing myself. He's, he's unlimited, but he's limiting himself in this promise. Yeah. And, and saying that this is, uh, this is what I will do and I'm, I'm committed to. I, I think that from the place where I sit as a human, um, that's a hard thing to wrap my mind around because I'm so used to having people make promises and then not keep them. Or even used to myself uh, as being one who makes promises and then I don't keep them. And so it's like, it's I don't even know how to conceive of that kind of level of integrity, I would say, to put mm. it. Well, only only a god with that level of power could could say this as well, because mm-hmm. he's promising judgment, he's promising justice on the enemy. So these things go hand in hand. We're finding out a lot about Yahweh here. He responds to sin with grace. He responds to wickedness with justice. He's able to do both at the same time. He promises to do this thing. Uh, and he promises to involve the the, the sinful Eve yeah. in the story. It's going to be your offspring. And then, um, you know, Ben, I think you you spotted an intriguing thing in this that that I will. Ben Wolpe spotted an intriguing thing. He says, "I will do this," and then switches to he. He shall bruise your head. So God is going to God making this promise is going to execute this promise, going to deliver on this promise through another. Yeah. Which again gives us insight to how he works. Uh, and that that God, the sovereign of the universe, who has all things in his hand, is going to fulfill his promise through someone else. Mm. He's saying, I will do this, and here's how it's going to be done. Through this offspring bruise, bruising or crushing your head, even yeah. as you bruise his heel. And that's worth remarking upon. Yeah. So um, there is now introduced the concept that there is a cost to the Savior. Mm. A bruised heel. It's a different cost, or it's a different, uh, it's a different wound to the wound that the serpent receives. Do you know the Hebrew for the that word bruise? I didn't. I didn't look that up. Not yet. <laughs> I'm sure you will by Sunday. You're preaching Sunday, right? But it it is like. Or you just preached. I mean, right? I just preached uh, half an hour ago, as you well know. And and <laughs> so and you you told us the meaning of that Hebrew word a half an hour ago, which I've momentarily forgotten. Yeah, momentarily. I'm so lost yeah, in the, time and space the right English now. translation bruise, I've also heard crushed. I've heard mm. strike. Um, yeah. And it seems to be more than just like a bruise I would get on an arm yeah. or something like from, from falling down and being a klutz. Like, yeah. It, it seems like a real significant wound. 
and on the head uh, could be a fatal wound. Yeah. Um, and I think in Christ on the cross conquering Satan, yes, we see to be. So to hear the idea that the that the cross, two things, that the the physical crushing death of the cross, coupled with the 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 spiritual taking on of sin and, and wrecking of Christ that goes on on the cross is described as a lesser injury than that which happened to Satan. Mm. That's worth noting. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what Satan gets is worse than the cross. <laughs> because of the cross. Yeah. And it's by his wounds that we are healed. Mm. So yeah. it's necessary that, that Christ, the offspring, the seed who fulfills this promise, is wounded so that we might be healed. I guess there's a difference between a redemptive wound and ultimate destruction, isn't there? Right. Yes. Christ is not. Christ doesn't see decay. And Satan is destroyed. And, yeah. and God makes this promise, knowing in advance the cost. Mm. Oh, like the thing just went ding. You're a popular man. I can only apologize. I thought I turned off. Is that things. your is that your delivery of a high quality mattress? The, the timer letting you know that they're on their way. Eschatologically, sort of prophetically, because this podcast has only just gone out. I don't think they could have delivered it uh, four yeah. days earlier. This is a good point. It's really the unfortunate thing about this is that you're suffering so much amnesia and forgetting the major points of the sermon that you just preached a half an hour ago. I was just in the spirit and, you yeah. know, prophetic utterances, I didn't, I was ecstatic. Yeah, that's how all the preaching happens at this church, of course. Yes. That's sarcasm, so you all know the bad habit that I need to shed. It was lovely. So, so, here, so God has made this huge promise. The promise is given to the enemy. Um, the promise involves sinful people and the promise costs God. And God can make this mm. promise because he's God. Um, there's a lot there. Yeah. I'm also thinking, too, about how God puts a curse on the serpent mm -hmm. and the serpent being a manifestation of Satan here. And so the serpent has to crawl on his belly and, and eat the dust. And uh, so there's an initial curse that happens. And then the promise of his head being crushed or bruised later. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a two part curse, it, it seems, on the serpent that uh, a weakening and yeah. then a crushing in the same way that the cross has exactly. defeated Christ. yeah oh yeah mm. so we've we've seen the victory of god on the cross of christ yet satan is still a prevalent force to be reckoned with in our lives but we will at some point see his defeat and casting into a lake of fire and crushed utterly defeated uh, more so than the defeat of the cross and you have to say, who's rejoicing the most in that situation? Mm. Maybe Eve. Because this is the yeah. case, isn't it? When we find grace and we've really sinned, we rejoice so much more. When we've... Yeah, and to see real justice done, even when you are a culpable party, mm. to see the true justice performed like... Right now, we're in the midst of all this social unrest and race race riots and uh, you know protests and mm. 
people are longing for justice. Yes. And, you know, there's so many different ideas of what justice needs to look like. And there's so much confusion about what justice looks like. And some people don't want justice. They're just angry and they want to mm. express uh, their anger, and which is, you know, good and right to do at some points. And, um, but as Christians, our job is to say justice is met on the cross and justice belongs to God alone. And while that has real implications for our life here, we have to know that it can only be met in him when, when mm. Satan is destroyed and evil is done away with and the world is made new. That's justice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I will do justice. We, we've struggled a little with the sermon title because there's about a hundred that there, there could be for this one. Uh, just to say that the reason why we're doing this is because we live in such a, an uncertain time. Not just um, the racial injustice we've seen, but also the, the pandemic that has affected the globe and all of the secondary uncertainty that flows from that. Economic crisis too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm strikes me that as a kid watching Disney movies, it was always so easy to tell who the good guys were and who the bad guys were. Um, but as I get older and in the midst of a pandemic and then, um, you know, sort of the, the, the issue of uh, race and prejudice being brought to the forefront of our national discussion, it, it really makes me reminds me that it, it's it's hard to tell like everyone wants to say like I'm the good guy and out there somewhere is the bad guy but uh, as uh, Solzhenitsyn said uh, a line between good and evil runs through the heart of every single person uh, and so to get rid of evil you would have to excise a piece of your own heart and who wants to do that so it's it's very um, you know like the bishop said on Sunday we we wrestle against flesh and not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities. And I think that's mm. what God's promise is to do here, to get rid of mm. uh, the rulers and principalities who are in opposition to goodness once yeah. and for all. Eve did not have the power to put this right. Yeah. She, she'd lost that <laughs> power. She did not have the power to put this right. And so God steps in against these forces that are enormous but against forces that are enormous and against the, the backdrop of a world that's in chaos and we don't have answers we don't have a great way to move forward right. these promises of god are something we can take to the bank and yeah. hang our hat on and any other metaphor you want to use for us a, a sure thing that we can trust in because they're fulfilled in christ we can already see Wow, this epic book written over such a length of time, and it's true. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has Thanks, been guys. a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel, brought to you proudly in association with the original Mattress Factory. Not that they know that. They, they don't know that. They cut out the middleman and pass the savings directly on to you. <laughs> thank you for, for joining us. Um, and indeed, for shopping at the original Mattress Factory. Do we get, can we get sued for uh, saying that on the podcast? You can get sued for anything. 
That's uh, true. But it That's might not so succeed. Um, because if, if the original Mattress Factory or anyone tries to sue us, God will crush their heads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the promise. Okay. Thank you for joining us. God bless.